Welcome to episode four of Conversations in Equine Science. Um, today we have a really exciting episode. My name is Kate Acton and I'm joined by Nancy McLean. And today we will be talking to our very first guest, Brittany Davis. Brittany is the owner and founder of Davis Equine Services in Alberta, Canada. They provide equine services in the areas of nutrition, physiology, exercise physiology, biomechanical analysis. And I'll let Brittany explain a little bit more about that. But I just thought I would explain to the listeners how we we three came to meet, really, um, or virtually meet, if you will. So Nancy and I have mentioned in past episodes that we have done the Masters of Equine Science through Edinburgh University. And Brittany has also done the same program. And the three of us all took part in the peer tutoring program that we've discussed before in past episodes. And that's how we kind of came together. And then we just thought that Brittany would make a perfect first guest. So welcome, Brittany. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. I was wondering, Brittany, if you could start by explaining to the listeners what your background is and just where the passion for your business has come from. Yeah, my background, um, I was never born into a horsey family. My mother thought it would be cute to put me in riding lessons when I was six. Uh, I'm sure she's regretting it now, but <laughs> I, <laughs> yeah, a farm and eight horses later. I'm sure she's regretting it, but <laughs> um, I started off in a dressage barn originally, moved on to the hunter jumper field. Um, in my teenage years, I ended up actually exercise riding for the Calgary Polo Club and then exercise riding at a local racetrack. And then from there, I was thoroughly hooked and in love with the equine industry. So I ended up doing a diploma in equine studies through the University of Guelph, um, went into my undergrad in biomedical sciences with the intention of going to vet school. I uh, actually did 400 volunteer hours at a vet clinic, realized I'm not very good with all the death, dying, pain and suffering, and really did love the research side of things, which led me to pursue the master's in equine science, because that was just so much more research focused, and I really thoroughly loved it. Yeah. So that's kind of the whirlwind tour of my background, and it has always been a dream of mine to start my own business and grow something uh, in an area that I was passionate about. That's wonderful. When before you started your business, um, Brittany, did you sit down and make a business model? Yes, I actually took a few business courses in undergrad and a few additional ones in um creating and developing business plans, finance and risk management, marketing, because I thought it was important to have a solid background in that to build a successful business. And I created the business plan for this business during my first year of my master's. Um, of course, there's been tweaks, uh, plenty of tweaks to my original draft since then. But uh, yeah, I did have a, a solid business plan. That's awesome. And your website um, is absolutely wonderful and I suspected you had a business model I think my own opinion is so many equine businesses fail because they're so into the horses 
and whatever modality they're pursuing that they forget about having a legitimate business plan. So uh, kudos to you for, for doing that because I think you're on the way to, to great success. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I think a lot more people could benefit from even just taking a few additional business-related courses or um, classes here and there to really just round out their skill set and give them that solid foundation to help build the area that they're passionate in. Yeah, I agree. What motivated you, Brittany, to do the master's? You said it was mostly the research that drew you into it, but also what kind of led you to choose the University of Edinburgh being from Canada? I was looking around at program offerings around me and there wasn't anything that specifically fit that equine niche area. We don't really have equine colleges like the US or the UK does. So I ended up stumbling across the masters at the University of Edinburgh and that online distance capacity really worked well with the fact that I do have a farm. I have a bunch of horses. We've got some cows, goats, dogs, the whole shebang. So it allowed me to still be at home with the farm and the animals while getting that postgraduate education. I agree that that's the way it was for me too. It's it's hard when you have horses and a working farm already to just pick up and go off to a university, you know. So yeah. Mm-hmm. How did both of you find juggling that because I obviously did the distance one as well, but funnily enough, I was based in Edinburgh while I did it. Um, But I worked full time and I just can't like looking back now, I'm like, that was so difficult working throughout it. But working, you know, in someone else's business and having your own are two totally different things. So trying to manage a farm and have animals that have needs 24 seven, not just nine to five. Um, Brittany, first, if you just want to um, let me know how you found that. And then, Nancy, it'd be interesting to see how you found it as well. Um, For the most part, it was okay. I don't have a super large farm. So just pop outside a couple of times a day to feed everybody and fit in riding when I can, when the weather's nice. And um, I found I was able to juggle the two. I I don't have a huge working farm that takes a lot of hours. And I don't provide any boarding or anything. So I think that made things easier for me. Yeah, I, I think for me, it's um, it was the racing schedule and the farm schedule when we bale hay and cut hay. If there was a deadline in that area during that time, it was a little stressful because you only have a small window of opportunity to bale hay and get it in dry. So, um, Mm -hmm. you know, at times I think probably to do it over again, I might lessen some of my load um, during uh, maybe a month before the assessments. And I would definitely begin them earlier than what I did, but it all worked out. Yeah, it was definitely the crunch time, especially that last week before any assessments were due, where you're frantically editing that was that made it a little more difficult to juggle everything. But I learned from my undergrad to start 
assignments and studying and everything a lot earlier to allow myself buffer room for anything that the horses might do because they always like to injure themselves yes. at the worst possible <laughs> time. <That is> so <laughs> true. <laughs> okay. Um, Nancy, do you want to ask the question just about um, like geographical location? Oh, uh, Brittany, sometimes when I see your pictures of your winters, I'm just like, I don't know if I could do that or not. When do you guys normally begin to get snow and when does it end? Oh, being in Canada, we can get snow every month of the year. We've had snow in July and August before. Um, so normally it won't stay around in the summer, but typically we can get snow as early as September. Um, it's not going to stay and it's not minus 20 yet, but come October, it's getting pretty cold. Usually the snow's staying. January, February are by far the two coldest months here. And then we can have snow right up through May. Wow, that's amazing. Right now, we're at 100 degrees Fahrenheit today. We're kind of in a heat wave and it's going to, the heat index is going to be over 108 this weekend and this is the time if ever I want to move to Canada it's now but then when I see your pictures in January and February I'm like I think I'm fine where I live <laughs> <laughs> so, but that has to be a lot more work for with your horses isn't it to make sure that they're um you know okay out in the elements and have plenty of hay and, and things mm -hmm. like that to stay warm um yeah it's not like we're minus 20 minus 30 for weeks on end where i'm located we get a lot of chinooks from the mountains so that can actually bump you up to plus three plus four and things will start to melt and they're fantastic and they happen anywhere from every three to 12 days okay. in the winter. So it makes living here in the winter bearable. But yes, there's always issues. We've had frozen water lines in the past, making sure everyone has hay and everyone's blanketed when it's really, really cold. Um, I do have a barn with a couple of stalls with some infrared heaters, but normally the horses seem to have adapted really well here. They get really nice thick winter coats and then they've got blankets on top of it when they need it. And, Lots of okay. Now, one thing for me, with it being summer in the Midwest, the flies and the mosquitoes and the bugs, some of my horses have like fly sheets on. Do yours, do you get that kind of insect uh, population? Yes. Do you? Okay. Oh, yes. We have the mosquitoes this year. It's been so wet. They're really bad this year. Everyone's got fly sheets with full necks and belly guards. Okay. And um, yeah, we got, we have some flies. They're not the really bad, like a horse fly bitey types. So they're more just annoying than anything else. The mosquitoes though, are the, the major ones. Well, that makes me feel better about where I live then. So, cause at this time of the year, I am just ready to get away from the flying insects, you know? So, okay. Well, that does it for my questions. I've got one more, but I can fit it in towards the end. Okay. 
Lovely. I've got a couple of different questions then, Brittany, just based on um, your business and what services you provide. So one of my first ones is I'm absolutely fascinated by the idea of biomechanical analysis. And I was wondering if you could just explain what that process is um, and who you would recommend it for. Yeah, biomechanical analysis is using um, a qualitative approach to assessing either a horse or a rider's gait. It's adapted from um, technology used by human athletes for whatever sport they may be in. So essentially I put little markers either on the rider or the horse on key joint centers. So kind of your, your hocks, your fetlocks, your knees, uh, points of your shoulder, that kind of thing. And then I film the horse using a higher frame rate going past the camera a couple of times and then run that through my software, which gives me a very detailed um, angular displacement analysis of the joint angles. I can measure stride length. I can measure step rate, step time. I can slow down and frame by frame go through the exact movement your horse is doing and pinpoint any issues, any abnormalities, asymmetries, maybe your horse is stepping slower or on one side than the other or not reaching as forward with one hind leg or whatever it may be and really kind of pinpoint where there might be any issues. I can also identify potential risk factors for injury that might, um, as you know, if your horse isn't moving properly, then you can have injuries crop up just from them not having that symmetrical movement. And I can identify where those are and then work with the owner to kind of help Mm -hmm. reduce that risk, whether it's through stretching or exercise programs or recommending them to follow up further with their veterinarian. Um, It's a very diverse tool. And then with the riders, I can analyze if you're in show jumping, I can analyze your jump position, um, your jump timing, your movements, and identify if you're even sitting straight. Are you sitting more to one side than the other? Are you moving symmetrically on both sides or is one leg constantly further back? It's really quite a diverse and informative tool. It sounds incredible. Would you say then that those would be the most common issues you see with rider positioning, that they're leaning to one side or that their legs aren't centered? Um, Definitely sitting more on one hip bone than the other is quite common. Um, Or just having their stirrups a little bit different or their legs in a little bit different position. And then for the jumpers a lot, you'll see just the torso angle is a little too far forward to balance and then their legs are slipping back and yeah. It's amazing, absolutely amazing that you can even do that. Um, Then my next question is looking more at the nutrition. I was wondering what is like the most common issue you see that owners come to you for advice. So what is kind of the number one mistake with nutrition? Um, What I get a lot of are horses with special dietary needs. Um, I majority, pretty much almost my entire client base right now is horses that um, tie up or have Cushing's or have equine metabolic syndrome. And it's really trying to just help them manage whatever those issues are as is. But I really do wish more owners would come and get their horse's diet sorted 
beforehand so we can prevent things like laminitis from happening in the first place if you have a horse that's more predisposed to it. Or if you know that your horse is PSSM positive, we can put a proper diet in place so that you're not getting those tying up episodes in the first place that lead to hefty vet bills and then coming to see me to help give you a diet to help manage that condition. So I really think more owners need to be preventative in getting a diet analysis done on their horse early to prevent issues instead of coming after the fact. Definitely. And that's something actually that we mentioned in last week's episode, because we were looking at equine and metabolic disorders and we touched Mm -hmm. on laminitis and just the importance of going to a nutritionist, because I think a lot of owners like I say this all the time anyway, but a lot of people in the horse industry will do what's just habitual to them. Um, so it's mm-hmm. been done for years. That's the way their families always done it. That's the way they've learned it from older generations and don't necessarily change it when it may have been wrong for years. Um, <laughs> oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, off I, the back of that. Oh, sorry. You go ahead, Nancy. I always say too, um, you know, it's amazing that in the United States and Canada, you don't have to be certified or have any licenses or education to be in the horse business. So you can just kind of put your shingle out there and say you're a trainer or a nutritionist because maybe you've been involved with horses for quite a few years, but there is no testing. And that just always amazes me. How do you deal with that, Brittany, when someone says, but I have a trainer who told me I need to feed this. And you realize the trainer really doesn't have any formal education or certification. Yeah, it definitely makes things more challenging. Um, I find the best way is to do it kind of through an educational approach, like, okay, let's look at that recommendation your trainer made and see if it really does fit or not. And all it can help you kind of really look at and realize why it might not be a good fit or where issues may be. Um, A lot of times I see a lot of vitamin mineral um, imbalances. So especially when it comes to your calcium phosphorus ratios or your copper zinc ratios, and I can kind of show them how that can be an issue. And from there, usually they're willing to learn and change and kind of listen to more research-based recommendations. Mm -hmm. That's a good way to do it because so often it is not so much... um, of research-based or evidence-based theories that people go on. They go on Mm -hmm. tradition and um, what seems to work for them, but there's no evidence or numbers behind it. So that's good. Thank you. You've answered that pretty well. I would just say on your point, Nancy, about um, trainers and things like farriers, we are a little bit better off in that regard in Ireland and in the UK as well, because you do have to do courses to do those things. Mm-hmm. Um, you need to have a trainer license, but also like the farriers in the UK and Ireland need to have done a four-year course. 
And in Ireland, they have to be registered with the Irish Farrier Authority. And there's a similar UK council as well. So at least we have that. Maybe we can introduce that to the States and Canada as well. Yeah, that we do have some. We have um, Equestrian Canada does offer um, different level coaching programs and certifications, but it's not mandatory. Um, they're starting to implement it where you have to be a licensed coach to be able to coach at shows. So that's helping and they're kind of working on changing that. Um, but for the farrier, there is no one overarching. There's, I know Olds College had a one-year certificate and then for a while they had a two-year degree, but we have people that have just done a six-week farrier course and are out there trimming. So yeah. it's yeah. Um, more regulation yeah. would be great to see in the industry. And in racing, even in our thoroughbred industry, I mean, you have to have a license for everything. Maybe even hot walking, you have to get a thoroughbred license to do that. And now you take tests for assistant trainer, trainer. You do a barn test for a groom. But even that is better than just nothing, you know. So, um, yeah, that would be great. We do have Certified Horsemanship Association. And then the um, riding instructor course is here. But like you say, Brittany, it's just not required. But it's optional whether you want to have that certification or not. Mm -hmm. I know for the race industry here, um, that we do have a, we have jockey training programs and you do have to have a license to be a jockey or an exercise rider, but we also have a racetrack groom program at the one, the Olds College in Alberta. So that does help give some credentials, but of course it's not required, mm-hmm. but there is, there is more licensing and regulations that are coming into the horse racing industry. Yeah, that would be great. Boy, I, I used to exercise ride and I mean, you had an outrider judge and watch you and they gave you a requirement what they wanted you to do during your gallop. And I mean, that's just safety for you and the horse, Mm -hmm. you know, so that's good to hear that it's getting a little bit more stricter. And uh, let's hope it goes into other disciplines too. Yeah. Um, I had one more question, actually, on the nutrition side. When it comes to owner advice, what is like one of the main things you would tell owners to look out for that is kind of one of the early indicators of poor nutrition? Oh, uh, first and foremost, my top my number one piece of advice for any horse owner is get your hay tested every year. Get your hay tested so that you know what you're working with. And you can see if it's sufficient for your horse, if you're going to have issues that you're going to need to work around. Um, Early indicators, it really depends on what your horse is predisposed to. Um, Definitely any sort of soreness, if they're not holding muscle well, if they're losing weight or gaining too much weight, if they're getting those fatty deposits that might be kind of early warning signs for equine metabolic, which can lead to laminitis and then founder. Um, But sometimes you don't have warning signs and your horse just suddenly goes laminitic because they have Cushing's that you like early stage Cushing's you weren't aware of. So um, the best thing you can do is test your hay and then 
go from there to find a vitamin mineral or ration balancer that complements it. And then you're saving yourself a lot of trouble and vet bills down the road. Fab. Um, looking at exercise physiology. So this is an area that before the masters, I knew nothing about. And since doing the masters, I have such an appreciation for, I was wondering if you could just tell the listeners how much time and effort goes into not just planning a training program for a horse, but planning one to ensure that a horse reaches that peak performance in time for competition. A lot of time and a lot of, um, it does vary depending on if you're working on a rehab program, general, you know, back into shape conditioning program, those high level performance ones, it's a lot of dialogue with the rider um, almost on a weekly basis where we're like, okay, how did last week go? Where's your horse at? You know, what's their BMI? How are they doing? Send me updated pictures. Here's some new exercises. It's a lot um, they can get pretty time intensive depending on what your goals are. But a simple getting back into shape conditioning program is not as intensive to create. And those conditioning programs I noticed on your website, which is perfect for the economic times that we're in right now, the global pandemic, but you're <laughs> able to provide those remotely. Is that something that like yeah. listeners in other countries could avail of? Oh, absolutely. Um, it's as long as you can send me some pictures and videos, um, and then with video conferencing and stuff, we can work from anywhere. Amazing. I think that's all the questions I had. I think I'm, I'm good too. Is there anything else you want to add, Brittany, that you think a listener might, um, you know, want to know or how they can get in touch with you, things like that? Um, yeah, everyone's welcome to check out my website, davisequine.ca. I have a blog on there. I've got a store on there as well. And just a lot of information on those three areas, the nutrition, the exercise physiology and the biomechanics people can go take a look at. I'm also on Facebook and Instagram at Davis Equine Services for both of those. Okay. Lovely. Thank you so much, Brittany, for talking to us this week. Yes, thank you. Well, thank you for having me on here. It was great. It was um, very informative. And, um, you know, we may call you back. Would you be interested in joining in on discussing a research paper? Absolutely. I would love okay, to. Okay, great. And then, Kate, what is the research paper for next week? So next week, Nancy and I will be looking at nutrition considerations for the aged horse. And this is a paper that was done in 2017, I believe, by N. Jarvis, M. Or, um, Paradis and P. Harris. And it's just looking at guidelines for optimal nutrition of the older horse and some practical approaches. Cool. All right. I'm looking forward to reading that. So... Lovely. Apologies for that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Well, thank you so much to Brittany Davis and give her a holler if you need anything regarding your horses on nutrition, uh, biomechanics and training. And then um, also Kate and I will be back next week to talk about nutrition in the older horse. And thank you so much, everyone, for listening.
Take care. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye.